headquarters of Ramsey Solutions broadcasting from the pods moving in storage studio. It's the Ramsey Show where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid off home mortgage is taking the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. We help people build wealth, do work they love, and actually be in a relationship with one another. I'm John Deloney, joined here by my good friend George Camel, and we are taking your calls on life, money, marriage, relationships, mental health, whatever is going on in your life, your work. 888-825-5225. 888-825-5225. The call is free. Give us a buzz, and we look forward to talking with you. Let's go to Kimberly in Charlotte, North Carolina. What's up, Kimberly? How we doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Fantastic. What's up? Um, so I have a question. Me and my husband have just started watching Dave Ramsey. Um, I'm 26. My husband is 24. We make about $105,000 a year before tax. We are debt-free except for our house mortgage, and we want to start investing. My question is, should we start investing now or work on paying our house off faster? Yes. That's it. The answer is yes. And you're going to do both in baby step four, five, six. We do them all at the same time. So you kind of get one plate spinning with baby step four. Let's start investing 15% of our income into retirement. You guys don't have kids? No, not yet. Okay. So we're going to fast pass Disney style through baby step five for now and go to baby step six. So any extra margin beyond that 15%, you can now throw on top of your principal mortgage. Okay. Um, also, we have um, an $80,000 truck that is paid off. We paid it off in a year and a half. Holy truck, Batman. Do you recommend Batman. selling? An $80,000? Does it fly? Yeah. What? Um, it was my husband's dream truck. He got it before we got married. and Then um, his dream truck turned into his dream wife, and now the dream truck has got to go away. Yeah. All right. I... That's what I think. He doesn't want to get rid of it, but I would you recommend selling that and putting that down on the house or investing? That this is me personally, not owing owning an eighty thousand dollar truck. Yes, absolutely. And our advice when it comes to toys, because let's be honest, an eighty thousand dollar truck is a toy, is yeah. not to have more than fifty percent of your income tied up in things with motors in them. And it sounds like yeah. you guys have as much income as you do toys. Yeah. What is your car worth? Uh, my car is worth like uh, six thousand. Okay, hold on. <laughs> what kind of yeah. grown man <laughs> will allow his wife to drive a drive a six thousand dollar car while he drives an eighty thousand dollar truck? Hold on. Let me interject here, Kimberly, because George drives a Tesla. I'm just a John. I, this is beyond Tesla at this point. No, I I understand. I I come from a truck driving state a place where trucks are equal to if not a little bit more important than the spouse i get it um there it is um yes there is a i i i know of trucks that cost eighty thousand dollars cost one hundred ten thousand dollars that are tools they are they have a utility to them oh i thought Um, you're talking about the guys driving them yeah i was like (laughs) john that's me don't call them tools (laughs) they have a utility they're Um, nice guys so they are toys, but they're also utility. I also know a whole bunch of dudes who are, A, leveraged to their eyeballs to drive an $80,000 truck when a used $20,000 version of that truck will last them for a long, long, long time. And as George mentioned, you guys don't make enough money to justify having an $80,000 depreciating asset in your driveway. 
I know. Especially I just don't know how to when get that. my husband convinced of it. <laughs> well, it, 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 here's the the way to do it. This is not going to be a math problem. Uh, it might be. It could be. But this is a. I'm scared that we don't have an emergency fund, and you have an eighty thousand. Oh, you do. Okay, this is. We do. Um, I want to be in a home. I want to start thinking now about what our life is going to look like in five years, in ten years, and in five and ten years, you're going to have a forty thousand dollar truck sitting in the same spot in yeah. the driveway, and we're still not going to have a down payment on a house. I'd love to see you sell that eighty thousand dollar truck while people are still are still paying crazy amounts of money for used trucks, and go buy a nice go buy a nice thirty thousand dollar truck that's used that's mm-hmm. got mileage on it. Everybody's going to live, and let's take fifty thousand dollars and put that down on our house. What's left on your mortgage? Yeah. Pardon me? What's left on the mortgage? Uh, about two, uh, what was it? We actually just bought in August. It's like 220, I think. Okay. And uh, we have it will put to a pay big off in debt. 15 years. Forget 15 years. You guys, you guys have a life to live. I don't want to be in debt for 15 years. Do you? No. So let's have a goal of five or seven or 10 at the most. And what what is yeah. this 50k going to do to that goal? It's going to speed up that process by a lot. Yeah, definitely. So think of it this yeah. way. Um, this has been a, a hang. I grew up and we didn't have a lot growing up, and money was a mm-hmm. was a hard conversation. And I didn't know a lot of people with a lot of money for a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways um, w- when I now I get to sit by Dave every week, I get to sit by people who think about wealth differently. And one of the mm-hmm. things they have taught me is to stop thinking about money in ways A, B, and C, or D. How can I get this thing? How can I see this? How can I can make the shiny thing even shinier? And here's a, a unique take on money. How can I buy hours of my life? How can I mm-hmm. buy back time? And so if you just look at your $105,000 household income that y'all make, and you think, how long would it take us to put to pay down $50,000 of our mortgage. That might mm-hmm. be one or two or three years of your life. And yeah. we can buy three years of our life, two years of our life, if we just go sell this big dumb truck. And mm-hmm. changing the way I look at my life now, I actually went and bought another mower because it took me six hours to mow my place out in the woods on a Saturday. Now me and my son do it together and we get it done in two. I just bought four Mm -hmm. hours of my life back. You see what I'm saying? So that's how I've started shifting. Um, How can I, I, I've started paying for things that I don't normally pay for, but I've started thinking, how could I buy hours of my life back? And I want you to sit down with him and say, hey, we could accelerate this by two years, by three years, and then we can get a jumpstart on our debt-free life and bring a kid into a world that doesn't know what a mortgage even is. And it starts with selling your beloved baby out in the driveway. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes, I agree. And we're all clear. You get yeah. the nice car next time, right? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. $6,000 versus $80,000. Have him call the show. George and I want to talk to him, too. What, hey, what color is the truck? I'm just curious. What color is it? It is red. I knew it, John. I was thinking <laughs> in my he head. keeps it. Oh, my god. He's gosh. had it for two years, and it's brand new. Like, he keeps that thing. As soon as you yeah. called in, I was like, big white fuck. I was like, this is a child <laughs> who grew up and got money, and he wants a big white truck. And hey, he doesn't yeah. have a mortgage on it, so high five to yeah. him. But man, that's a lot. Sell the truck, man. You know what? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to find a $10,000 truck that gets you to and from Whoa. and put down $70,000 on your house. 
Move that, that sucker. Baller. Just accelerate it, man. Accelerate it. Buyback moments of your life. That'd be incredible. 888-825-5225. Give us a shout on The Ramsey Show. We'll be right back. Guys, it's no secret that the real estate market is weird right now. So go with a mortgage company you can trust to have your back. Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is Ramsey trusted because they're stable, reliable, and focused on you. At a time when a lot of companies are being bought out or going out of business, count on Churchill Mortgage to stick around. They've been doing things the right way for over 30 years, and they'll keep doing them the right way for 30 more. Get started at churchillmortgage.com. This is a paid advertisement. NMLS ID 1591. NMLS Equal housing lender. 1749 Mallory Lane, Suite 100. Brentwood, Tennessee 37027. George Campbell joined today by Dr. John Deloney. This is The Ramsey Show. Give us a call, 888-825-5225. We're taking your questions about life, money, mental health, relationships, you name it. Rachel joins us up next in Chicago. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Hey, how are you, how you doing? What's going on? Good. I was just calling with a quick question here. Um, it's actually pretty similar to the last caller, but um, at what point do we stop helping family financially? Um, my my brother was murdered a couple years ago, and he left behind a three year old, um, so our niece. And we've helped you know mom out um, as she was a single mom for a, a year or so, and now she's moved on, married. Um, and, um, you know, we offered to adopt our niece and were turned down, and we don't really see a future for them um, to be self-sustaining in her new relationship and her outlook in life and just, um, you know, overall. So I just don't really know what to do at this point. Our niece is three years old, and I would like your thoughts on, you know, where to go from here, how to help but not enable um and how to really help her when she's, you know, a state away. So do you not trust her with the money that you're sending at this no. point? Is that the no, real issue? Yes. You want to support your niece, but you don't think it's actually going to support your niece in the right, right way. Is your is your niece, niece safe? Um, well, that's questionable. We d- I mean, we that's, don't a, that's know. I'm, I'm asking, that's a simple yes or no. Is that kid being abused sexually, um, psychologically? Is that kid getting food? Is the kid safe? Is the kid getting neglected? There, um, DCFS has been involved in the past. Okay. And, um, you know, for neglect and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I would say at this point, we don't have any knowledge of that okay. happening, but it, I, I think it's a high possibility in the future. Okay. If um, I, I I don't, that's one of the few things I just simply don't mess around with even a little bit. If I have an inkling that, because there's a child at stake, right? And I'd I'd rather sleep at night knowing that somebody doesn't like me and their child's safe than the other way around, okay? Um, So if you ever get an inkling 
that the child's yeah. not safe, then we're going to make that call yeah. again. We're going to make it again. We're going to make it again. I know that system's a jacked up mess, but we're going to keep making that call. Um, yes, yeah, so he, we do keep in, in contact and make okay. sure that we're always calling and checking up on her and just but hold on, hold on. over FaceTime. Here, here's the other side of it. It is really hard to hear. That little girl is her child. Right. And the more you are, are grieving through trying to insert yourself into this little child's life, the bigger of a mess this is going to turn into. See what I'm saying? This has become a proxy for your grief. And so, like, George asked a great question. Like, are you not trusting with the money? Then stop sending the money. Like it's, yeah, it, we're not. Yeah, then stop sending it. I would have a meeting. I would have a conversation and say, hey, here's. it's been a year and a half. You've moved on. You're, in, you're remarried or whatever you are. Um, we're going to stop doing X. We may create a, an, an account for her college because that's what we're going to do over time um, that only she will have access to. Uh, but we're going to we're going to begin to let you fly on your own, right? I'm going to have that conversation. I'm just going to cut off one weekend, right? Um, but, but channel your grief and channel your frustration and channel some of your hurt into something that's going to be more fruitful. Okay. But right now I you're trying to you're parent saying. by proxy and it's just causing a mess for you. It's causing a mess for them. It's just becoming a, a convoluted. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And it's hard. I know what I'm telling you is hard. It's hard. The, the, the hard part about this is that it almost feels like, you know, then we won't have any access to her at all. And, and so here's the hard part. It's her kid. And if she wants to deny okay. access to her aunts and uncles, unfortunately, she's allowed to do that. Okay. What I would want is a track record. Uh, like there's no there's no legal right. I would say there might even be a moral and ethical right, but there's no legal right that an aunt and uncle have to access to somebody else's child. I would want to, uh, to create a track record where that kid will know that aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so wrote me a card every week. Every week they I got something in the mail from them for my whole childhood and that three-year-old that seven-year-old that nine-year-old that 14-year-old won't get it that 22-year-old will that 29-year-old will she'll go through life knowing i know somebody who loves me see what i'm saying we're playing a long game here now okay so rachel you said you've stopped sending money to them but you're still wondering how can we help without monetarily gifting money Yes, I mean we. This came kind of all to a hedge because she's asking for money now, and this is now the next iteration of now we need money for this, and now we need some money for that, and we haven't sent it because I wanted to talk to you first. Yeah, so I sit down and say if it's about clothes or if it's about food, I might, like, I'll do a. If you're asking me for help financially, and my my help comes with fill in the blank, it's your money. I'll help you do a budget. That's the only way I'm going to give you money. Um, I will help you with X, Y, and Z. That's the only way I'm going to give you money. I'm going to do it one more time. And you need to know this is the last from where this comes from. We're creating a college account for her. But see what I'm saying? Like, it's your money. So it's your boundaries and it's your decisions. And you can put all kind of hoops you want to. And if she says, I'm not doing all that, <laughs> that's great. You're choosing not to take my money. That's her choice, not yours. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know, again, all that's hard. What's the hesitation? That she's not going to want to do it. Cool. She's not going to do it. Yeah, she's, she's <laughs> opting out. And I say cool, not in a, that's not great for that kid, I'm sure. I'm not saying like, all right. It's not like that. You know what I mean? Like she's making yeah. grown-up choices. Right. Sounds like the yeah. next step is uh, another hard conversation to go. 
listen, I want to support this little girl who I care deeply about, but it's going to be on my terms. And the the conversation before that one is with your with your husband, and y'all sit down and say, here's what we're willing to do, and here's how far we're willing to go, and this is what our boundaries are going to be, and then just know that anytime you set boundaries, everyone around you in your life are going to try to test those boundaries to see if they hold. She's going to call you desperate at midnight. I got to have food food money or the kid's hungry. They're going to come test those boundaries and y'all are going to have to decide up front how firm we're going to hold, right? And then from there, you got to make peace with that's her child. And if you get wind of it not being safe, I'm going to make those calls, but I'm not going to try to armchair parent somebody else's kid in a different house from far away. Right. Okay, I think that's really good advice. I think I think I can see myself doing that in a variety of instances of, of parenting and it's it's a little hard because we did parent her. She you know, yeah. she was placed in our home as a foster child when she was born. Hey, so, Rachel, like I think it's wise for you and your husband to go grieve this like a loss. You love this yeah. little girl, don't you? Yeah. And you loved her dad, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Y'all need to grieve the loss. And the three-year-old can't prop up you and your husband's grief. Okay? There's a hole there. And y'all got to address the hole. Y'all got to sit in the hole for a while. And um, find some more productive avenues to give you peace. You'll make meaning on the back end of this, right? We're going to take care of kids. That's going to be who we are. We take care of kids whose parents pass away. Or we take care of kids who are struggling. We're going to be foster parents. That's we're gonna make meaning on the back end of this, but right now we have to grieve it, and I don't know that y'all are there yet. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Hey, we'll walk with you. We love you. Um, I'm gonna send you two copies of Financial Peace University. Okay, it's me and George. It's our gift to you. Um, you can sit down and say, "Hey, I'm gonna offer this to you, and I'll go with it. Go with, go through this with you." And that's going to be the condition of me giving you any more money. And this is the last time we do that. Like whatever, the, I'm not going to give you parameters of what they happen to be, but I'm going to give you some cash to get some food and diapers right now. But I'm also going to give you a tool that's going to help you change this thing. And you're right. She's probably not going to do it. She's probably not. Um, but you'll be able to sleep at night knowing I put a fishing pole and weights and bait and hooks and know-how on the front porch she chose to not go fishing yeah and ask her what exactly she needs and then you can go drop the diapers at the door if you don't trust her what she's doing with the money then you provide exactly what the thing is and you can sleep easy at night knowing you did what was right for you but hang on the line austin will pick up we'll get you two copies of financial peace university to help walk through this with them and hopefully create some semblance of a relationship so that you can have a relationship with that little girl thanks so much for the call this is the ramsey show Are you sick of planned obsolescence? You know, when companies make products crappy, so you have to buy more of their crappy products. Well, me too. And it's why I love companies like Grip6. Grip6 is all about quality products meant to last forever. That's why they're comfortable, bulk-free belts, slimline wallets, and lightweight wool socks all come with a lifetime warranty and simple returns and exchanges. So check them out at Grip6.com today and get up to 20% off with the promo code RAMSEY. I'm 
George Camel, host of The Fine Print and co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour podcast. Hosting today with my friend Dr. John Deloney, host of the Dr. John Deloney Show. You can check out all of those shows on the Ramsey Network and wherever you listen to podcasts. Open phones this hour, 888-825-5225. Let's talk about your life, your money, boundaries, relationships, mental health issues. We are here to serve you, America. Mike joins us up next in Columbus, Ohio. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon to so you, sir. I've been, I've been saving uh, to purchase a home, and uh, I've been looking for the last year or so. Hasn't been much of opportunity on the market. I'm currently renting. I've built up a fairly large liquid cash position as I've been saving up, and I'm worried about the impact of inflation on that uh, particular savings. Sure. How much do you have? Uh, currently in liquid, one hundred five thousand. Awesome. And where is that currently saved? It's uh, currently in a bank savings account, making probably point zero zero one percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do better than that. Now, I, Mike, you sound disappointed in yeah. Mike. Now, have you heard about like a high yield savings account online? Uh, yes and no. For the most part, I've been just parking money and haven't really been thinking about it much. Okay, we uh, love a savings account for that kind of short-term savings. I don't want you investing this money, but there are better options for savings accounts, and one is that online high yield savings account. I've got one right now. It's you're, I'm getting 2.6%, which is incredible compared to what it's been the last few years. So interest rates have been climbing on those savings accounts, which is great. So you can do a lot better on that money if you moved it now, over. Interestingly enough, is that is that 2.6% um, compounded or is that annual? Um, that would be annual, but how that's it, it would get up. compounded because you get 2.6% every year. And so as you earn that 2.6, you're going to earn 2.6 on that amount now. And so uh, it's a it's a great deal for to keep your cash liquid. Yes, you could invest it in the market, but as we've seen, uh, you know, my 401k is down like 25%. So I'd be real upset if I was in the I'm stock market I'm not even looking right at mine. John just doesn't look. It's probably I'm not for the looking. Best. So, Mike, that's what I would do if I was in your shoes. You're on uh, to a great start. I mean, is that enough money to get you a down payment right now for the house you're looking at? Yep, it is, um, and at about twenty percent for the range that I'm looking at, which is pretty good. What, what's your What's your hang up? There's something sitting, like not sitting in your soul, right? What is it? Um, immediacy of action, because I'm looking to purchase a house right now. I'm going. I've been renting for a little bit. I'm going to month to month. Okay. Because I uh, had a house that was lined up uh, with a good offer, and it kind of fell through. Okay. You work so with a good agent? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay. I have a tendency, Mike, to get frustrated with the situation and go do something to shake the snow globe, and I make a mess. So mm-hmm. the hardest part for you is to not let this hundred grand burn a hole in your pocket and your frustration with renting make you do make a, a foolish long-term decision. Whether that's to go yeah. dump all this money into an index fund and lose ten percent of it over the next year because the, st- the market is still fluctuating and you need the cash, mm-hmm. or to go buy a house that you really don't like but you're just sick of all, it. man, you need to just be patient. Even if you have a friend, you say, "Hey, your job is to make ask me these questions before I go do something stupid." Right? You're not going to earn twenty percent. You're not going to earn back inflation. You're not going to earn back eight point three or eight point six, whatever it is. You're not going to earn that back in a liquid account. 
You're just not. So you got to make peace with inflation is what it is, but I am interested in holding on to this cash right now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Hey, can I ask you one other question really quick? Sure. How would you differentiate this from an emergency savings account, and how would you handle the two differently? I mean, I would keep them in different accounts so that I don't go into the cookie jar and then go, oh, that was my emergency fund. But I keep the majority of my emergency fund in a high-yield uh, high online savings account. And so that's where I would tell you to put that home savings as well. Now, they're different, right. so I would leave and them se- in separate accounts. You can create multiple accounts with those um, with those banks. But I'm looking at the numbers now. You could be making 2700 bucks a year right now if it was in a high-yield savings instead of close to zero. Mm-hmm. That comes out to a little over yeah. 200 bucks a month. But let me tell you, Mike, the secret sauce is not the interest rate. It's Mike. You putting money away, living on less than you make, that is the secret sauce to beating inflation, not a savings rate. And you've done that. that. You've done it, man. I mean, how many people look up and go, I got a hundred grand in the bank and I'm ready to buy a house and I'm ready to do it the smart way. So now you've done the work. You said a hundred grand was enough to get this house, right? So now it's the game of patience like John's talking about going, well, I want to buy the right house and not just because I'm sick of renting. Because it's the biggest purchase you've ever made in your life, right? Uh, Yep. So I'm going to walk with a lot of caution, a lot of wisdom, work with a great real estate agent, and desperation leads to bad financial decisions. And when you can do it with patience and you're not in a rush, that's when you can actually get the best deal because you're not feeling impulsive to just get it now and not negotiate and take your time and walk away if it's not a great deal. All right. So you've done great, man. The one move I'd make is just switching it over to high yield uh, savings account. And at least for now, you'll feel better making that 200 bucks a month. So thanks for the question. It's a good one. And George, you and I have talked about this offline just when we're hanging out in the green room somewhere talking about how we each do, how we actually live these principles out in our own lives. And I have my emergency fund in the same place with my checking account. I I earn, I may earn a high five every year, right? Annually. Um, It's for me, it's not worth I need to pull up this bank and I don't have, you know, I don't keep apps on my phone. So it's, it's just a personal decision. I think the main thing is, do you know where it is and can you get to it in the case of an emergency? Is it liquid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And we always say an emergency fund is insurance, not an investment. And a lot of people look at 10, 20, 30 grand and they're going, well, John, that's unsophisticated. You should put that, you could invest that money. That's the wise thing to do. It's not an investment. It's, it's meant insurance. to protect you. Yes, it's sleep insurance. There you go. I can go on a tr- on a vacation and if something goes wrong, that's fine. You got the money. Yeah, that's right. That's a good word. All right, Dave joins us up next in Erie, Pennsylvania. Dave, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for taking my call today. Sure. How can we help? Well, I'm I'm uh, real quickly. I'm 58 and a half, everyday millionaire, uh, um, debt free. I'm going to continue to work when I'm 59 and a half and can utilize my 401k. Is it okay to use it at that time to purchase um, a new vehicle and let that ride for a while and build back up and then purchase my wife a new vehicle and, and use that as a as a vehicle fund? Will you still be working at that point? Th- that's correct. Yeah, I'm still going to continue to work. Uh, I'm still going to continue to trip. Uh, contribute to it, and, and I thought that might be just as simple as as you know saving up and and uh, uh, using that fund for that. And you're completely debt free. Yes, sir. Home and everything. Yep, everything. I I owe nothing. Uh, worth about uh, one point two five. Way to go. And uh, you know we we cash flow everything and and uh, just. That's a that's a lot of money to build up. You know what a new vehicle costs. I thought, geez, you know if I can hang on with some old. Uh, old 2006 vehicles 
for another year, I can utilize that fund. But, uh, you know, taking the current uh, financial state of the country and everything, I just wonder if that was if that was okay to do. So I want to ask a question to George. Dave, on your question sparked a question with me, and so both of you answer this. Why wouldn't Dave and or George, I guess, just stop making payments to the 401 and go ahead and just save up cash? It's going to take you a few months, but why would you? Why would you end up owing yourself? I could do that, and I just wonder what is it six one half the other? What's what? What's the, what would be the difference? I, I I don't know. I guess my question is why wouldn't you just save up and cash flow it with your income? I mean, you've done so great. You've stayed out of debt. You're doing all the stuff the right way. I just wouldn't want to rob my retirement, you know, to start my retirement off as soon as you can pull the money out and rob the growth that's happening in that account. How much is in that account? Um, uh, one fund has, has right around uh, about $1 million and another one has about, about 200000 250000 I mean, doing the math on what the compound growth of that account is today and taking forty grand out of that to buy a car, it would just hurt me emotionally. Yeah. And so I would go, I'm going to cash flow it, and I'm probably going to make a different decision if I'm cash flowing it versus taking it out of my retirement. And so I would just tread with caution there. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't think you need to. And so I would just save up with your future income, with savings, and do it that way versus robbing the retirement on day one. That's one man's take. But congrats, man. You've done a great job. Super happy for you. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey folks, Dave Ramsey here. There are moments in life we don't want to forget, like your kid's graduation or the once-in-a-lifetime trip. For the big moments, the everyday moments, and everything in between, every dollar is there to help you budget for all of it. It's the simple budgeting app that helps you plan, save, and spend for the important things. Budget for the life you really want, every moment of it. Download the app or check the link in the show notes to create your free account today, every dollar. I'm George Camel. To my right, Dr. John Deloney, you're listening to The Ramsey Show. Give us a call, 888-825-5225. Glenn joins us up next in Kansas City. Glenn, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call, George. Happy to do it. What's going on? Oh, uh, you can label me tentative to retire. Um, I like that. So <laughs> I just need a, a third-party opinion. You know, I, I work with a financial advisor, and Good. Um, I, do, I do way too much reading, but... I just wanted to run through my scenario and, and see if you guys think, do I need to keep working in this economy or, you know, can I pull the plug at 59 and a half? Okay. But just make sure you pull the right plug. Yeah. Yeah. No, not the, not the life support plug. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Keep that. You want that one in the wall, brother. <laughs> That's right. So hit us with the numbers. Okay. So um, I'm about 80% tax deferred, 20% Roth. Um, I've got, by the time I retire, I imagine I'll have about 1.5 million, um, and of that 1.5, I'd, I'd have about 90,000 cash. Um, 
I planned on waiting to collect Social Security till I'm 70. Um, my wife is going to continue to work until I'm 62. So then, you know, so I was going to try to spend down cash in the first couple of years and then work on the tax-deferred money and try to stay under 80000 a year total tax commitment. Okay. Or total income. So you're going, am I ready to do this? When When's your plan to do this, to actually retire? Currently. Uh, 13 months, three days, uh, 36 minutes, something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you, what do, you do for numbers. a living? Um, I'm a power plant manager. Okay. Cool. So what's your current income? About 150. All right. And you're not looking to replace all of that 150 in retirement? No. Right now, I, I, I only come home with about half of my income. I put quite a bit into my Roth and uh, savings account, so I could live off 80. And you'd be happy because that's really what it comes down to is what's your picture of retirement and do the numbers match up to that picture? Okay, I'm speaking for myself. I'd be happy. I don't know if my wife would be happy. Ah, What does she think about all this? Does it make her nervous for you to quit working? Absolutely. Yeah, that's why she wants to keep working. She works remote and we want to relocate. So I have no interest in paying down my mortgage. I always overpay but I'm going to take the equity out of this home and, and put it in another home when we, where we relocate. So here, But yes, she's nervous. Here's a couple of things that I uh, I would do if I'm in your shoes, and I'll let George, obviously he's way smarter with the, with the numbers side. Before I quit, uh, before I retired is a nice way to say that, I would take my wife on a retreat of some sort, go out for a day or two, and literally spend a couple of hours being highly intentional about telling old stories. What are some things in our marriage that we've loved? Some of the adventures we've had, our kids, some of the stuff we've been great. I talk about some of the stuff that's been hard and then I would shift the conversation and this might take half a day and I would talk to her about this before you do it and you spend some time by yourself and her some time by herself. What do we imagine the next potentially 40 years to be like? We often think like, oh, it's, I'm going I'm I'm to retire at 60. And you might be 40 years, my man, okay? 30 years. What do we want that to look like? To George's point, if you both don't have a unified picture of what retirement looks like or the next phase of your life is going to look like, you're going to run into uh, a brick wall. And what we're going to do is we're going to blame that that crash on money. We're going to blame that crash on my wife. She's going to blame that on my husband's just sitting around the house. But all of that is tied into, we were not unified in where we were headed when we started off on this new journey. The second thing that's important is you need to know the research on people who just up and retire is not great. They fall apart. And so you've done the math. What I want you to begin to consider is man, maybe you're done at 60 work managing a power plant we want to get out of this town we want to get out of the state we want to go somewhere different somewhere hotter somewhere cooler whatever we're going to buy a new house i want you to imagine it doesn't have to be a job but i'm going to volunteer at i'm going to get really involved in local whatever i am going to start bagging groceries i want you to have a thing that you go to not that you go from um just the data on it is the data has convinced me that i retirement is no longer a thing i'm interested in spending money and building wealth those are things i'm all excited about but not having something that i get up and go to every day is something i'm no longer interested in solely based on the psychological data okay so that that's where i would tell you when you're you're having the conversation should i retire and then the number 
comes in here, uh, George, with with actual data. Yeah. So, Glenn, you're, you said you'd have about 1.5 million in 13 months. Yeah. And that's if the market bounces back? No, that's uh, taking in the losses that I expect. Okay. <laughs> Dude, you really I'm, want out I'm of a, this thing, huh? <laughs> well... It, it and it there's I mean she just wants me to be happy and I do have a strategy, an exit strategy and it, it's going to be working with my kids. So both my kids live in another state and I really enjoy doing things for them. So I think that's what's really going to make me happy. So right. I'm not worried about myself. Okay. I think my wife is worried about getting her nails done and getting her hair done. And I'm a pretty tight individual when it comes to spending money. Um, and I've your wife is saying, I don't want my life to suck for the next 30 years because Glenn <laughs> retired too Because early. Glenn didn't want to work, right? <laughs> exactly. So we got to take that into account. That's Hey, that's a it, don't be dismissive of that, okay? I know it can be annoying. Like, you mean i got to work so you can get... Yes, that's exactly what that means because y'all are a team, right? So let's have that conversation. So, yes. Glenn, you've heard of the Trinity study? No, uh-uh. You said you read a lot, so I figured. But basically, <laughs> it, it, I've never heard of it. The study shows that a safe withdrawal rate, you know, if you take out 4% uh, from your nest egg every year, then the money will not run out. It will continue to, you know, outpace. If the market's at 8, 10, 12%, you will continue to have your principal amount in there, which means when you croak, you'd still have 1.5 million, ideally. Right. And so yeah, I would start to look at that with your, with your financial advisor. So uh, we've done cash flow thing, and, and the 4% rule is not really something, uh, I guess I looked at it that way, but every online calculator shows that there's no way you can retire. Uh, so that's what I keep seeing. So, But he says, I'm good to go. Um, but I guess Who's that, the financial advisor says, yeah, your plan checks out? Yeah. And that's if you're withdrawing, what, 70000 a year? Into retirement? No, that no, that was an extra. That was like at a one twenty. Wow, that, that feels high. That was the, yeah. Then, then that's kind of why. I, I, but that was covering insurance and other things too. Okay. And since I don't have to, I you know I back it back down. But, that's just a larger yeah. percentage of the of the one point five million. You're looking more like eight uh, percent withdrawal rate at that point. Exactly. Which then you exactly go. Well, that money's going to run out. Then you know in the next few decades. And so just take that into account. I would still run the numbers. You mentioned take waiting to take Social Security. You might be better off taking it sooner and investing that money. And so I'd, I'd still run some numbers. I'd, I'm going to give you some homework there to work out with your financial advisor. I'm not saying you can't do it. I just want you to get a real clear picture of what your lifestyle is going to look like in retirement, where you guys want to go. And I'd also encourage you to go into retirement without a mortgage payment. You mentioned that you're hanging on to the mortgage you're paying a little bit extra. I want that thing to be gone before Glenn says, I'm done working. I think that'll give your wife some peace of mind as well. Yeah, the fewer liabilities you take into a no-work season of your life, the better. And even if you think, well, I can invest this, the difference between my 3% mortgage and that, I get all that. But we're just talking about risk and liability. And when you look at your wife and say, we owe nobody anything. Right. And here's what we're going to do. That's a different conversation. When it, I'm just talking about neurological safety, brain safety. Changes your, the way you make your brain decisions. goes. Whew, okay, so if the worst case scenario happens, we're still sitting in the same house because we own it. It's ours, right? And we just got to scrounge up enough nickels to pay the, the taxes every year on it. That's different than you no, know, we're going to be homeless. Right? What's left on the mortgage, Glenn? Uh, about two eighty. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't want to be taking that when I retire in 13 months and still have payments on $280,000 worth of loans. So I'd also look into getting rid of that or downsizing, pay cash for your next place, and then I'll feel real good about this retirement yeah. plan. Let's have a conversation as a couple. What do we want this thing to look like? like to make it a two-day retreat, enjoy one another, have a good time, but let's get some real concrete pictures. Absolutely. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back with you before you know it. Do you love a good Dave rant? Want to see the latest Ramsey Show videos going viral? Check out your favorite moments from The Ramsey Show on YouTube. Go watch and subscribe to The Ramsey Show channel on YouTube.